0: Hello and welcome to PFQ Learning Objective 10, which focuses on leadership and teamwork. In this session, we'll be defining the term leadership, we'll be explaining how the project leader can influence team performance, and we'll be considering the challenges a project manager faces when developing a team. We'll also consider how models can be used that help the project manager to understand how they can develop the team effectively. Let's now take a moment to consider what is meant by the term leadership. The APM describes leadership as the ability to establish a vision and direction, to influence and align people towards a common purpose and to empower and inspire people to achieve success. So let's think about how the leader can influence team performance. You might want to think of some past leaders you've had. What is it about them that made them effective as a leader? Typically, the leader will be exceptional at establishing a clear vision. They're able to provide clear direction where every individual understands their role and that of others and understands therefore how everyone contributes to that common goal. And this helps to build momentum and ensures focus within the team. They're also effective communicators. They're good at establishing and maintaining relationships and making sure there's effective two-way communication that involves feedback. This will help to build commitment and ensures that people identify if there are any problems and shares these early. The effective leader is also focused on motivating and supporting individuals. It makes sure that it considers the needs of each individual within a team and coaches them appropriately, helping them to develop skills. And all of these things form part of leadership. So, what are some of the challenges then in developing and leading a project team? Project managers don't always get any um, input into who they have on a team. They can be provided with individuals they haven't worked with before and who may not have the skills that they need for the project. This is important because it may mean that there's an increase in the time needed as you develop those skills and also it could affect the quality of outputs. It may be also that some team members are not allocated full time to the project. This will affect the ability to which they may understand the goal or feel part of a team and can impact their commitment to the team objectives. If you have people that are from different cultures or different organisations or geographically dispersed, it can be harder to get the teams to gel. It can be harder sometimes to manage conflict and it becomes very important that you communicate regularly and empathetically so that you can grow the sense of team identity. As we said, the project manager may have, in some circumstances, have little authority over team members, and this can be difficult when managing complex situations. It's important to recognise that whilst project teams often are facing uh, unfamiliar and exciting new challenges, For some, this will be stressful. It may be energising for the project manager or some team members, but it could lead to conflict amongst others. And this needs to be carefully considered so that you can manage this and make sure you eradicate any problems between team members as they arise. So let's think about the definition of what constitutes a team. The APM Book of Knowledge describes a team as a group of people working in collaboration or by cooperation towards a common goal. All too often, a group of individuals are brought together and considered to be a team long before they've actually become a team. Effective teams are made up of a complement of individuals. They will have different skills and different social types. And this has been proven through research to create far more productive and effective teams in the long run. And there are a couple of models that we can explore that can help us understand this further. One of these is Belbin's team inventory. This is a personality test that is used to assess how strongly an individual likes to behave in certain ways when operating in a team environment. The second model is Tuchman's stages of development. He identified four core stages that teams go through in the the process of developing into a fully functioning team. And this can be a helpful tool for understanding this. Let's now consider Belbin's model in a little more detail. Belbin originally identified eight roles. He then later identified a ninth role that he added, the specialist role. These roles can be broken down into three essential types. Those that have an action orientation, those that have a social orientation, and those that have a thinking orientation. Importantly, what Belvin's research discovered was that effective teams need people to perform in different roles. And therefore, it's important that an effective team has a spread of these roles if they're to achieve their objectives successfully. There is no one right type of role. And indeed, all of these roles will have contributing factors to the team and allowable weaknesses, and it's important that the leader understands these. For example, the shaper can be great at adding direction and drive to a project, but they can sometimes be easily provoked and may offend others. In contrast, the team worker is seen as a great unifier and harmoniser. If you've got a project where they've hit some problems with stakeholders, the team worker can be a great mediator. However, they don't like conflict and under pressure, they may find it difficult to make a decision. The specialist, by contrast, is somebody who likes to get, is passionate about their work, likes to get involved in the detail of what they do and is excited about that. But they may quickly lose interest in areas that are outside this area of control. And therefore, the leader, by understanding these different roles, can Adapt their style and make sure they support the needs of the individuals and make sure that they have coverage within their team of all these different roles so that they can achieve successfully together. You may want to consider now the different roles within your organisation. Which type you, you maybe are yourself and how does that affect your communication perhaps with others? What are the strengths and weaknesses of others? This is a very useful tool to make sure that you consider now that you have the right people in your team to get the job done. We're now going to think about Tupman's stages of team development. As I said, this is a helpful tool for understanding the stages that all teams go through. And it's important because once we understand it, we can also identify ways that we can accelerate progress through the stages to become a performing team. The first stage in this model is the forming stage. This is when people are getting acquainted. They have a high degree of uncertainty at this stage, not really being fully familiar with the project roles and objectives. At this stage, the leader will direct the team and provide clear clarification of what needs to be done when. The second stage of the model is when the team enters the storming stage. This is often when there's a struggle for leadership. There may be cliques forming, and people will vie for position within the teams. There is some clarity of purpose now, but there's still quite a lot of uncertainty. And in this stage, the leader needs to coach individuals, supporting them with their individual needs, and focusing on trying to create alignment around a common purpose. The team will then enter the norming stage, In the norming stage, there's far greater consensus. There's much more understanding of established rules and processes. And in this stage, the leader is much more facilitating and enabling the team to be able to perform as they now understand and have much clearer, stable roles. In the fourth stage is when the team now reaches the performing stage, the stage that ideally we want to reach as soon as possible. In this stage, there is a clear understanding of roles and responsibilities. There may still be conflict, but this gets resolved amicably within the team without the need for outside intervention. There's a high level of support and teams work together to ensure the collective meeting of goals. At this stage, the leader is very much in the role of delegation. They don't need to regularly intervene in the project, but rather they oversee it only intervening when a key decision is needed or if they see a drop in the quality or performance. The fifth stage that Bruce Tutman added in later into his model is the adjourning stage. It's also sometimes called the morning stage. This is when the project is now reaching the, is, has reached its end and is being closed down. It's often a time of uncertainty for team members and there may be some se- insecurity It's a time for making sure the sensitivity, that there's a chance to reflect on past performance and celebrate the success of the work being achieved so that people can leave feeling positive and the leader has a key role at facilitating this. It's important finally to understand that whilst the model is linear in the sense that all teams will go through these stages, the team can actually regress to an earlier stage. This may happen if Perhaps a team member is seen to have been treated unfairly, or maybe it happens as a result of a new team member arriving that changes the dynamic within the group. So it's important that the leader constantly reviews what stage of development the team is at so he can maintain the high levels of morale and motivation. We're now going to consider the ways in which we can accelerate team members through the early stages of the Tuckman model so that they become a high-performing team. And there are a number of practical things we can do to achieve this. The first of these may be holding a kickoff meeting. This allows team members to meet one another and get a clear understanding of the context of the project and the goals and objectives that the project has. By clearly communicating these, each individual will understand their own role and that of others and can buy into the tasks that they need to do and focus on those. It's also important that the leader of the team or the project manager coaches individuals so that they can gain skills and get up and running quickly. Holding regular team meetings will keep people appraised of progress and enable them to focus on the most important things, prioritising what needs to be done now. It's important to regularly praise individuals and recognise them for their achievements, as this can have a big benefit to increasing morale of the team. But equally, if something goes wrong, it's important that you reprimand in private. Similarly, it's important that as a team you celebrate successes together and commiserate when failures happen and learn from those experiences together rather than having a blame culture. By doing some of these things, we can make sure that we develop the skills of the team and make sure that we protect the team from any outside interference. In this way, we will accelerate them through the early stages and hopefully it will help you to reach a performing team much quicker than you might otherwise do. In this session, we've explored then leadership and the importance of developing an effective team. You may now want to go to your PFQ book and answer some of the multi-choice questions while it's fresh in your mind so you can consolidate the things that we've learned today.